0: And a warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm the Bill Arnold part of that sentence. Awfully glad to uh, have the amazing and beautiful queens of the round table. Thanks to the guys for showing up and and, uh, contributing for a great guy talk hour. And this is going to be equally as good. And uh, Rosie Browson is going to be introducing the panel today.
1: Hi. Hi, Rosie. Okay. Well, this is we have Angela Smith with us, and she's a brand new employee of as of three weeks mm-hmm. here at KTIS. She's doing an amazing job in advancement, and then we have Kim with us today, Kim Sanders, and she works with Faith Radio. And so you probably are already familiar.
0: I'm very familiar with and both. And the audience
1: is yeah. probably already familiar. Yeah. And Rebecca is Rebecca in the Maxwell. house. Happy Yay. to be here. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I'm
2: always here. But I But today I'm happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Good clarification. There we
0: go. That is the lineup for today. So let us know what your questions are. We'll take any, any and all questions. 877-933-2484. We'll be back in 60 seconds
3: listening to faith radio is convenient and easy on an amazon alexa or echo device just say enable faith radio to get started once the skill is enabled say play faith radio and you'll hear the live stream you can also access previous programs by listening to the podcast stay connected to faith radio at home work or anywhere there's an alexa or echo device learn more at myfaithradio.com
0: Meeting you at the intersection of faith and life every day.
3: Anyone who tries to get Jesus to fulfill my agenda ends up abandoning Jesus. The only way to be a disciple of Jesus is that He is Lord and I become a follower of Him. Where you go, i
1: go. Where you stay, I'll
2: Faith Radio.
0: always have to wait for the horns. I, I have to shorten that music up so the horns come in sooner.
2: Okay. I'm I think that's it. kind of a
0: long ways to wait for the <laughs> horns, but I have to wait for the horns.
2: Everyone knows that silence was intentional.
0: Yes, it, it was. I wasn't. I was just waiting for the horns to come in, and there they are. Welcome to uh, Beautiful and Amazing Queens of the round table, or Girl Talk, as we also will know it as. Welcome, ladies. Thank you.
1: Yeah, Thanks for having yeah,
0: us. Yeah. So we were just talking about, uh, as we were praying prior to the hour starting, I concluded the prayer with, in his name, and, Rosie, you jumped in and said, we should say, in Jesus' name. Even oh, though it's the same thing, but you you said what?
1: I said, I love when I hear a prayer end in Jesus' name or in Christ Jesus' name. I just, I feel like it just solidifies it. And the more we can say Jesus Christ, the better we are in our spirit. But plus, I also think the enemy is out there listening. And if I were the enemy, I'd be like, in whose name? I don't know if I if you meant Jesus or not. So just he, you know, Jesus gives us a call that you can do these things and more in my name. So Mm -hmm. to me, when I say Jesus Christ, it takes the onus off me. It's not my power, but his. And it's just an affirmation to the spiritual world that's listening, that I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and it's in his name
0: that I'm praying. just converted me. I don't think I'll ever ever say in his name again. I'm always going to be in Jesus' name by the... Mm -hmm. Power of Jesus Christ's name.
1: Well, and sometimes to me, I always wonder, am I shy about saying the name of Jesus Christ? Because I have just switched to saying in Jesus Christ's name probably about four or five years ago. And there's part of it that I'm like, am I embarrassed to say mm-hmm. the name mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ? You know, no. It's the name that we should be proclaiming. So that's when I switched. Anyway, I just love hearing. It makes me want to break in, Christ, out in the Jesus, song. Because yeah.
3: there's power. In that's the what name I of was
0: Jesus. thinking.
3: too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You guys are yeah. going to start singing? No, I'm not. Okay. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no.
0: <laughs> Please don't sing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> too late. Though I already did just a yeah. little bit.
0: Yeah. But nothing divides a room faster than the name of Jesus. Acts four twelve. Salvation is to be found in Him alone. In all the world there is no other name by which you can be saved. So when you bring up Jesus, you divide a room. Hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it's great that we say in Jesus' name, because we're gonna let Satan know who the authority is. Right. Without any equivocation. Exactly. Right. So
1: right, now, now I'm gonna be listening in meetings <laughs> for Bill to pray and go. Is he going to oh, say Christ no, I, Jesus' I, is
4: his name? I, I, <laughs> I'll keep it
0: Because <laughs> my heart knows what I'm saying. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. But I, I like saying the name of Jesus out loud. Right. I, think and it's I, great.
2: I think people get a little bit caught up in prayer sometimes if they're concerned that if they use the wrong language, well, God's not really going to hear me. Or if I use the wrong label, I, I'm i very confident because we have scriptural uh, evidence and support that says that the Holy Spirit helps us when we pray. Mm-hmm. And that there is the, that Christ acts as a mediator as well as another passage. So I'm pretty sure that God's going to hear our hearts and the intent of our hearts and trans do that spiritual translation work when it's necessary. But I don't think it's wrong to reaffirm as many times as we can say the name of Jesus. I think you're right, Bill. Why would we be avoiding that name if that's where the power is? Uh, it it can be controversial,
3: but there's no other name on heaven and earth by which we can be saved. So let's talk about it. And to piggyback on what you're saying, I think it's more for us to be proclaiming that I am praying this in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. It's more about me saying it and reaffirming it to myself and to the people around, not so much about this relationship with me and God. Yeah, because you're exactly right. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, I want to chat a little bit about time because everybody is concerned about time. They don't have enough. They want more. They wish they had extra. And I'm just curious as to how we are doing in that department. When I think of having three minutes to kill in line at a coffee shop, how do you use those three minutes? Are you trying to have conversation with somebody or are you pulling out your phone and looking at it?
1: Mm,
4: Sometimes both.
0: Okay. (laughs) That's a fair answer. Multitasking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or using
4: the phone to have a conversation with somebody.
0: Okay. But are you most inclined to pull out your phone when you have uh, four or five minutes in line somewhere?
1: Mm,
4: I think And you're
0: by yourself.
1: So I think that a lot of it depends on your personality type. I'm extroverted, so I am often bummed out when people are on their phones because I'll just want to make eye contact with somebody and say, hey, how was your day? Or, God bless you. What? Seriously. See, <laughs> so, but I'm according to the men in my family, they're like, oh, mom's going to go in there and chat Talking it up. Talking to strangers again. It's going to take her too
4: long. I'm highly introverted, and the thought of that makes me very nervous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> have I been behind you was, in line? Yeah, yeah, maybe you have. <laughs> and
4: I... You know, in reality, those conversations are harmless and and sometimes really important. Um, They're not going to hurt me, but it's just a temperament thing. Mm -hmm. So I sometimes don't feel like I have the energy, the relational energy to engage when it's like, I'm, I'm tired after work and I just need to buy these groceries so I can go home and make supper. And it's just one more thing to get done. So I'm like reserving my energy. I always talk about my introvert energy, like the, ba- the battery level on your phone and I'm just, it's dropping down and now it's got the red frame and it's blinking <laughs> at me and the pop-up <laughs> alert, you only have 5% left. And so that's my introvertness. So it keeps me from engaging
0: sometimes. So let's talk about time. What is your view on time? Hmm. Who wants to go first?
3: I feel like this is really fresh for me because like Rosie said, I just started working full-time again. My oldest is 14 and I haven't worked full-time outside the home since he was born. And so now it's been, now my time is, my time with my family is much more limited than it was before. And so I, I feel like this is something that's very fresh to me. How how, how am I going to manage getting everything done at home and And Rosie and I were talking a little bit about that, the mental capacity and energy to carry the load of the the things at home that I still am responsible for, even though I'm not the only one doing it. I feel like I'm still managing it and that still takes emotional, mental energy. And so, yes, time is very precious Mm -hmm. to me. So do you feel like it's scarce because you started working? Do you? Yeah, I feel like I need. Actually, I feel like I'm getting a lot more done <laughs> because when I was at home, I, you know, oh, well, I could do that later because I had time later. Well, that's not the case anymore. I need to get it done now because I won't have time later. And I find so in your question about standing in line with the phone, you know, to go home and and to to have my default be to get on my phone when when my boys or my husband are around. I've tried to be conscious of just putting it down and thinking. It is scarce. We don't have that much time. I mean, they're 14 and 11. They're, they're going to graduate in like tomorrow. And so I, I just really want to be, when I'm home, I want to be present mm-hmm. with them and make the time that I have with them matter by being, by offering my whole presence with them.
1: I think the business of the world, um, having more women working, having um, days be longer for our, our spouses as well, I think the commodity of time, I think we're more aware. I think it's increased our awareness and maybe even helped us to become more defined in what we will give our time to mm-hmm. now. And so that's, those are all good things. I think also um, the more we have to do, though, is causing a certain level, level of stress. You know, just what can we do? And what, it's, it's coming in direct conflict with I- ideology of what we're supposed to do. And so I think we are just at that point of trying to sift through that.
4: That makes me think about about a year ago, I decided I was going to change what I the way I thought this the words I was thinking when it came to time, because I would say things like, well, if I find time, I'll do that and be a hobby or, you know getting together and starting a Bible study or whatever it might be. And then I decided I, if I'm if I'm just waiting for there to be a time, there's not going to be, I'm going to start making time. So instead of I'll find time for that, or if I find time, I'd say I'm going to make time for that. Because you can prioritize what you're going to make important decisions about and make time for. So we're living more intentionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree.
2: I think that's really wise because time is, it's a resource that God has given us here and now today we don't necessarily have tomorrow promised to us, um, not to, to scare anybody or anything. No, no. Just like, we Such have a- today, and today <laughs> is a gift to us. Um, but seeing it as a resource and our time as an investment and that what we're putting our time and ourselves into, I think it's, it's too easy to go through the obligations of life and say, here are the pressing needs that I have to get all of this done. And there may be really good things that I set aside, like you said, Kim, when I find the time. But what am I doing with the time that I have here and now? Am I thinking all the really good stuff? I'm saving that, like my favorite present at the end of the day. And that's the thing I don't get to. Why not do that now? Why am I waiting? What am I waiting for exactly? And and so, I don't know, maybe seeing that as the investment, as the most precious gift that I can give to someone is to maybe send, and and it's easier than ever before, just to send a text and say, I'm thinking of you. Is there a specific way I can pray for you today? Or I know we've been talking about getting coffee for the last three months. I am free on Thursday at nine, let's do this, or something, something like that. I think that's a true investment in eternity. So maybe taking that time and putting it into what's eternal. That's what I've been focusing on.
0: All right, let me take a little break. This is why I call them the amazing and beautiful queens of the round table. Let us know what a topic is you'd like us to talk about. 877 933 2484. Otherwise, we'll be back in 90 seconds. beautiful and amazing queens of the round table. We're chatting about time and trying to figure out, do we have enough and are we using our time intentionally and wisely? Are we hoping we have time or are we making a commitment to create time and space to be intentional for God's kingdom? So do women in general, this is a broad sweeping question, in general, do they feel that they're just stretched too thin nowadays with everything that's going on?
1: I think um, with the women that I interface with through KTIS, I I would say yes. I think there are a lot of women who, because we've entered the workforce, um, because our heart is still for our kids, because um, in the lives of children, there's a lot of scheduled activities, where in previous generations, I don't think there were as much. Um, There's uh, youth groups and all these things to be involved in, and I think... um, whether it be true or not, and and Angela brought up that uh, perspective earlier, it may be that your husband's carrying the same load, but the feeling, the perception that you're in charge of the calendar, I think that there is a burden there that is kind of at resting on the heart of women. Now, you know, the deeper question is, should we be feeling like that? Like, where is our relationship with Christ that he is our sustenance and he is our strength and our source and he aligns the hours of our, or the minutes of our day and the hours. So I don't know. I just see a lot of women grappling with that and asking the Lord, help me define my day. What do I, what am I holding as my responsibility? That's really yours.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: I think you're making a good point too, about the shoulds and Mm -hmm. the oughts. I Mm -hmm. think we carry a lot of things that we should do, whether you work, whether you're at home, there's still, there are a lot of shoulds and oughts that we carry with us that sometimes we just need to throw off the things, cast off the things that hinder us and run the race that's set before us. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is the should and the ought.
0: Let me add this into the discussion. Listeners just said, I need some advice on how to communicate to my husband that I need help around the house without nagging him. I work full time and we have four kids, eight years and younger, and I feel like I'm drowning with all the responsibility inside and outside of the home. I also feel like I know myself and I do tend to nag. Thank -hmm. you for your advice.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I know Gary and I went through this not so very long ago when I started working at KTIS. And, you know, what helped in my discussion with Gary and his the way he received it is that we, I approached it differently. I said, we have some tasks at hand now and I'm commuting and I'm not home as much. You know, can we talk about how we can distribute the tasks so that it's even on both of us? Because working, both of us working is benefiting the family in one regard and there's a lack in another And it was so well-received because it wasn't, I'm carrying all the weight. It's, we have some things that have to be done. Can we delegate this out? Neither his responsibility nor mine, just functionality of our family. And so he received that really well. But I have to admit, the Lord had tendered my heart not to come at it as an attack either because our our situations had changed. And it was also okay for me to admit, I can't carry this all. I used to be home and working part-time, and that was great. But I can't carry this all by myself mm-hmm. anymore. So,
0: what about other factors that can contribute to exhaustion, like bad sleep, mm-hmm. um, disruptions in uh, you know, you just your your how you have your schedule? I, I can go to bed at nine o'clock one night, and the other night I go to bed at midnight, and all of a sudden you're not sleeping or you're getting up. Maybe you didn't get the exercise you wanted this week. So all of that can go into the now. I feel like I'm nagging Mm -hmm. because I'm tired.
3: Right, because I'm not at my best. I'm not at my best. So I'm not asking in the best way either. The
0: best me is not showing up into the room.
3: Right. So because I just started working, my husband and I just walked through this, and I do not think manipulation is the way to go at all, so don't hear that when I say this. But when I got hired, I said to him, we should hire a cleaning lady once a month to come in, and he saw dollar signs and money spent and said, I think I can do that. I think I I can help out with this. So don't go manipulate your husband, but... you know, try to think outside the box even maybe of, can the kids get involved? Can your husband get involved? What we My husband is an engineer, so what we did was there were lists, and I made a spreadsheet, and we printed out once a week. And the boys, our two boys have tasks on it too, so we're making it a whole family responsibility versus just my husband and I because our boys are a part of our family and should contribute to the household. Um, we decided to put some allowance with some of those things, but... We had to communicate to that this is a change this is a change it's a switch switch in our family and communicate that really well and uh. it sounds like there's a lot of ownership there too and i think
4: instead of saying this is my task but i need help with it it's it's saying this is something that like you just said everybody has a role to play everybody needs to contribute so here's let's lay out everything on the table And nothing belongs to any one person right now, but maybe it works for you to assign a task or maybe it's just this week I have more time to fold the laundry than than you do or whatever the task Mm -hmm. is. You have to figure out what works for you. But the ownership, then it doesn't feel like, yeah, 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 I know I'm supposed to. It's it's I'm invested in this, too. So neither one feels this the tension of the nagging. Okay,
1: you know what, though, too, you have to push past the complaint because it never feels comfortable (laughs) on anybody when all of a sudden they're invited into new responsibility. And so... At least in my house, I was more likely if I I heard too many complaints, invited
3: invited into new responsibility. I'm inviting you to To clean clean the house. You've been been hired to vacuum. You know that my kids are always like, "We know
1: what you're really saying, Mom.
3: Get to it." But
1: there's also some pushback that I think, at least in my own experience, if I heard too much complaining, I'd feel bad and I'd pick it up again. And the Lord has really had to work on me on allow the complaining. And because just, you know, walk that out because it's changed for everybody and nobody likes having to do new tasks, but it's still part of the function of your family and they're called into it. And I
2: don't think we should, oh, sorry, Angela, but uh, I don't think we should be afraid to speak openly about the practicality. Because we're talking about a couple of different levels here. We're talking about just things that need to be done around the house. But there's also a sense of identity that I think women attach to that, to mm-hmm. the domestic side of life. It's like we've been tasked with home and family. And then if we work outside the home to help provide, that identity doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. It's, it's still like, okay, well, if we're entertaining or if the kids need to do a school function or something like that, that's still part of my identity. So I have to figure out how to do everything And if I don't, then somehow I'm not good enough as a human being, as a mom, as a wife, whatever that might be. So I think that maybe there's something there that we can just throw those shackles off and realize that God doesn't judge us on how good a mom we are, but it's how closely we're following the image of Christ. And how much we seek to be transformed into the image of his son every single day. And that if we're following after him, hungering, after, hungering and thirsting after that righteousness, that the rest of the smaller stuff can fall into place. So maybe there's one level of that. But don't be afraid to ask for help either. If it's something where I, I can't physically carry 100 pounds down two flights of stairs, I recognize that limitation. It's not me being not good enough to then ask, hey, can you help me? carry these couple of boxes because it's just about getting the task done and knowing it's going to be way easier and smoother for the both of us to do this together. It's better for everybody. So it's maybe separate some of that guilt or identity or shame or whatever might be attached to that and just say, if we need to get the dishes done, here's a chore chart. It's right. something as simple as that. And mm-hmm. just, you know, tonight's your night to worry about dinner and then the rest of it falls into place.
3: When well, talk about identity too, I think it, I think for the, for my boys, I think they're feeling more a part of the family. They're feeling more a part of the household because they're contributing in a bigger way. So, mm-hmm. no, you're right, you're, they shouldn't find their identity in it, but I think there is some kind of confidence building. Well,
4: when you can do a them. task and you have the responsibility and then there's this there's this part of you that says like i am a part of something more than just my mm-hmm. one person i'm a part of this family yep. i'm a part of the church it. whatever it is yeah mm-hmm. i feel
2: more grown up now because right. i'm an eight-year-old that took care of his own room today or helped with dinner or whatever that might be so that's a good
0: thing for the kids i've got a little cleaning tip um my cleaning advice is if you have a lot of stuff on the floor, you have less vacuuming to do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have a rumba, a rumba, yeah. yeah. like eats pens. And not that I know that yeah. or anything, but
0: <laughs> listener Emily said uh, with my husband, I like to go. Would you rather do dishes or laundry? Oh, there
1: mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: We're all about a team chores and training uh, care of kiddos. See, I,
2: I'm trying those types of things, How's but my working? husband is so smart; he catches on. He's like, you know, whenever you want me to do something, you always ask a question. <laughs> and I guess I never realized that, but it's kind of true. I'll be <laughs> like, so were we supposed to do that today, or is this going to get done by you know this time? And he said, you can just ask me to do it. Or you could just tell me, this needs to get done, and I'll do it. You don't have to put it in the form of a question. But that feels
3: hard, (laughs) doesn't it? It It feels hard. But
1: that's the difference with men and women, I think, in how we communicate.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. All right. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to continue the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable. Let us know what comments you have about time, time management. If you have issues you'd like us to discuss, we will do that for you, 877-933-2484. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Continuing our discussion of house cleaning and I hired a house cleaner once and I had to clean for three days before she got there just so I could say, sorry it's such a mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about time, time management, we're talking about uh, anything you would like regarding that subject, let us know what it is. Um, in 2016 survey, 61% of all households in America were had both parents working. So there must be Levels of stress that women are carrying that are new and improved.
1: Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, at least from the people that, you know, I have run into through KTIS, for sure. Uh, and I think it's that women and I'm and I can't speak for men, so I don't know. But I know in my own case, uh, disengaging from the emotions of where my husband's at or where my kids are at so that I'm not carrying their stuff, too, in addition to my own stuff and to my job, it. That's a conscious effort for me. And that was a trained behavior pattern because I realized I was really outside of what God would have for me. He's really in charge of our kids and our husbands and their emotional states and all those things. But I had to learn to disengage from that. So I don't know if that's typical of all women, but it's where my heart always is, is I know where my son Alec is. I know where my son Bennett is emotionally. I know where my husband's at. And so when you're working on top of those things, it can can feel like too much
3: one well, just carrying like i said that when you feel like you're carrying the mental load mm-hmm. and i wonder i was just thinking as you were talking I, I wonder if it's i'm trying to think of a comparison of what it would be like on for a man you know what, what is a what is an experience that a man has that would be like our feeling like we carry all of the household kinds of things the first mm-hmm. car- we carry the responsibility of that would it be something like you know the, the the responsibility that a man feels to to have a job and to provide for his family. But that is that Simbler? same kind of. I mean, I guess we can't. Well, Bill, can you tell us? Yeah, Bill.
0: No, I'm is not going to.
1: <laughs> Maybe we should have a, a co session <laughs> once and just have these questions with a, some men in here too, so we can banter back and forth.
0: Yeah, we could do that. Just so you know, we could, I think have, we should. We could have. a should coed group someday.
1: We should. That sounds yes. fun. That could be kind of scary, depending on who you choose, because we'd be speaking for both genders. I find out
0: the next day six people aren't talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) But working uh, with with two people working in the household, uh, there's certainly going to be lots of um, issues that was going to come to the surface that might not have otherwise been dealt with in the past. Because, you know, you've talked about your parents' generation, right? Mm-hmm. There was a tendency of, a greater tendency that mom was home.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So you were saying something, Rosie, that was so interesting to me, that if somebody comes to the house and it's not as tidy as you'd like it to be, the blame kind of goes to you, the, the the wife and the mom. Right.
1: Well, and I've uh, incurred it, you know, so from the previous, mostly from the previous generation, but it um, they don't come into the house going, oh, Gary's not a good housekeeper. Their house is a mess. The kitty litter box stinks. They say, wow, Rosie isn't on top of these things. I mean, it kind of falls to, and to the woman, it can be previous generation. I mean, hopefully that is dissipating, you know, in our current generation. But I know that I've been um, in many conversations where my grandchildren aren't receiving thank you notes. I'm really frustrated with my daughter-in-law. You know, I'm, I am don't hear my son, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and this was not my personal mother-in-law. But I'm just saying I've just had a lot of conversations where the onus is often on the woman for tasks that there's just not enough time in the day for. Or we we just, you know, some things aren't the top of the priority.
3: I think we might see a shift in that, too. With, I'm hoping with, we are. With other yeah. generations, especially, I mean, because we have dads, that, we have stay-at-home dads now. The right. Mom goes and work and the dad stays at home. So maybe in the coming years and generations, we'll see a a shift in the expectation of that. Right. But that does weigh heavy. And I think it goes back to what we've said before about where are you finding your identity? Are you finding your identity in how clean your house is? Are you finding your identity Mm -hmm. in how beautiful your handwriting is in your thank you notes? Or are you finding your identity as a daughter of the living king?
1: Right. Well, and I think, too, even the I don't know about you guys, but I know when I was home that my boys were in devotionals. We had, we had time to pray. We would consider outside things to pray for. And I know once I started working, I'm like, okay, what are our top three things that need to be covered? <laughs> you know, it was much more task-centered. We still mm-hmm. prayed, but the time to bring God into the conversation, my teaching uh, went way down. Um, and thankfully, my boys were a little bit older and, you know, their roots were deep, but it it made a difference for sure.
3: There's not that time to linger. Mm-hmm. Or you have to, you have to be purposeful about making time, making time mm-hmm. to Intention. to linger, mm-hmm. because I think that's important. That, so I'm a doer and I'm a go, and I've always said if someone could tell me what I need to do to be, that would be great. Mm-hmm. But you can't. You just you need to stop and distill yourself. And when you're busy, 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 it's it be, it can become harder and harder to do that. But I think that is so important. Even if it's just sitting and breathing for five minutes and focusing on. Scripture, or a scripture, your favorite scripture. I mean, God's word does not come back void, but mm-hmm. to to breathe deeply and to meditate on God's word could can change your whole perspective on on your day and the time that you have in front of you. Absolutely.
0: Would you say you are positively oriented in your life, or do you feel that you're more negatively oriented? And I don't mean that in a in a, in a mean spirited sort of way. You know, some people are skeptical and look at things a little bit as that glass is half empty and others go, Oh no, it's half full. This is great. You know, my mom was very positively oriented. I remember she called me one day and she had this eye condition and she was just in incredible pain. And she said, I'm going to need to go to emergency. So I called the eye doctor and I said, any chance you can squeak my mom? And she's having just a complete meltdown with her eye. And they said, yeah, bring her right over. And I I don't remember seeing her that uncomfortable. And as I'm, She uh, got her by the arm and I'm walking her into the doctor's, the eye doctor's office. And she goes, Bill, stop, stop, stop. I go, mom, 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 what's the matter? What's the matter? She goes, look, look look at that flower. Look look how beautiful that flower is. (laughs) And I was just going, oh, oh, mom, we just got to get you in. But Mm -hmm. yet she didn't want to miss an opportunity. She was so positively. Even with
3: only one good eye.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she was blind in one eye from birth.
3: Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So, uh, she was really having trouble, but she wasn't gonna miss this little opportunity mm-hmm. to have that moment. And I will never ever forget that. It's beautiful. It is really yes Yeah. Cool. And what I think great... I think there's no way I'm uh. that positively oriented. Forget the flower. Yeah. <laughs> Get, uh. Get out of my way, flower. I got an eye that's dying. And it's my mom.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I would say that I have learned some skills to help me be more positive. I grew up in a more with more people who were negative. Okay. And kind of took that on, I think just because of some of the environments I was in probably. And at some point realized like for me that was not the best way. It wasn't helping me to keep my mind on Christ. It wasn't helping me to be a light to the people in my life and so I just made a concerted a concerted effort to try to be more positive because my natural bent, and I notice, like when I'm stressed, when I'm tired, um, when something is way outside my control, that's where the negativity comes back in because it is this natural thing in deep in me. And I've learned the skills to be more positive, (laughs) but that's also a warning light for me now to say, okay, what am I going to do to get back on track? Because I'm clearly overstressed. I'm clearly overtired. I'm clearly suffering from this fear of not having the control and so it can be learned if that's what what you want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's for me, it's not natural. So I'd, I don't know. It's like I think I'm positive, but not. I didn't come
0: by it naturally. Would your friends say you're positive?
4: I would think so. Okay. And the people who've known me a long time would
3: probably be able to say that at one point I was not as positive okay. as
0: Okay, yeah. Angela?
3: Positivity is one of my top strengths oh, for cool. strength finders. That's awesome. And then I'm a seven on the Enneagram, if people speak Enneagram, which is the enthusiast.
0: I don't know what that is, but yeah, and I've, then, I've heard of it.
3: Okay, and so the seven reframes things to make things positive. Wow. So if something bad. What a gift. You, I want to hang well, out with you. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but the problem with that is entering into pain. It, I will easily gloss over pain and sometimes do it to other people and just kind of Pollyanna on them and their pain instead of just sitting in them with it. So I think positivity is a good thing, and I think it's different than gratefulness. Um, But I think even with positivity, I need to train myself to sit in pain and to be okay with pain. Mm. I don't think I appreciate... Oh, go
2: ahead. No,
0: no, go ahead, Rebecca.
2: (laughs) Sorry, just jumped in there. I don't think I appreciated the power of positivity for a long time um, because I sort of prided myself on being a realist. And I interpreted positivity as people that were willfully blinding themselves to the way that the world really was. Ouch. And that they were tr- I'm sorry, I just, I've, learned. I've learned, you know, but I thought if people only see the good, well, then they must not be looking at everything. Um, but I, I think, Kim, I've, I've been learning lessons along your lines that if you look for the bad determined to find it, you will You'll find it. Yep. You will. There's an Abraham Lincoln quote that's similar to that. Um, Which is quoted
3: in the movie Pollyanna. Yeah. I really <laughs> just to bring it full circle that's awesome I'm How sorry, you know I'm that? sorry. That who's amazing.
0: Abraham Lincoln <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk later no, okay. we'll
3: talk
2: later guy with a beard No. Oh, um, him, yeah. you, you have a penny yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I've learned the power of positivity it's not about blinding yourself to, to ugliness in the world but it's about choosing the joy mm-hmm. choosing the joy that even in the pain that there is still a joy to be had um, and that that takes more strength and and more integrity to choose to see the good um and choose to hope for the brightness of the future yet to come, so that's mm-hmm. the type of person I want to
3: be well, and it's holding the tension mm-hmm. because both are true, there is good and there is pain, and they can coexist at the same time and but it that's a hard tension it's a hard tension to hold,
1: and that's the conversation I've had so many times with the men in my household because I do, I have my strength finders is positivity. And I tell him I grew up in a very difficult background and a very struggled in our family life. And I'm like, no, the Lord taught me how to choose to see him in things, to Mm. choose that he's going to watch me, walk me through it. Now, my natural bent is positivity, yes, but it's not that I think everything is wonderful. It's just, I have this sense that we can make it through and I have a choice to feel heavy with it, or I have a choice to give it to the Lord and go, what do you want me to learn? I mean, for, for me, for sure, um, Kim, it was definitely my behavior pattern. I had to choose it. Yes. My, my internal compass is more positively bent, but when things are difficult, no, it's a choice.
4: And I think when you're choosing that, when it's positivity with the Lord, that's different because you're choosing to see the hope that we have in Christ. It's not just a Pollyanna like, oh, everything's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's that cartoon I've seen online where there's the dog sitting and the fire's going, and he's like, it's fine. Like it's not like that where you're just totally delusional, and it's not fine, but you're telling yourself it is. It's saying, I I don't see how this is going to work out fine, but I have Christ and I trust Him, and He's telling me He's Giving me his peace, he's telling me it's okay. He's with me, and therefore I can be
3: positive in the worst of situations. Mm-hmm. Something I've been thinking about lately is Hebrews twelve two. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, dis- disregarding its shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor besides God's throne. But that. So that, that's how I see positivity. The positivity yes. of the joy set before him that he endured the cross. He endured that pain. We can endure the pain because of the hope of Christ set before us.
1: Amen. Amen. I was going to say the same thing. You preach it, girl. Keep Sounds going. Sounds good.
0: Sounds good. Queens of the Roundtable, underway. We've got one more segment. If you have a question or an issue, 877 933 2484. Listener, did the uh, give me a question. I asked him to re-ask it. So if you're out there, let me know what that is. It seems like a good one. We'll be right back. table. Here's my listener. I would say in addition to the typical things a man might be worrying about in a household, he worries for his wife, for the condition that her happiness is in. So maybe the, the men out there have got a double worry, mm-hmm. which is a loving, compassionate, right?
1: It is to a degree where it's not so tapped in that you're codependent. Um, we were having this conversation offline about the codependency of people's emotions, especially in partner's emotions. When Gary is having a tough day, I have empathy for his tough day, but God has given me my emotions. Like I can't change my attitude or, you know, be pouty too or, you know, angry too. I have to be who I am in the Lord. And that to me seems more healthy. Like I can be aware of where they're at but I don't have to take that on. Mm-hmm. Potentially that could mm-hmm. be helpful
4: to not like, not that you would be rubbing your happiness or your good day in their face, but right. to say, I'm, you know, I'm still here and I'm supportive as opposed to like sometimes entering into anger or entering into like you were talking about sitting with someone when they're, when they're going through something difficult, that's important. But sometimes you're just spurring on something that isn't helpful. If right. you try to enter in and be like, I'm mad at your boss too, you know? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Let me ask you this. There's, um, this term, which I'll use, I'll call it awfulizing because we talked about being positive. But do you also have this in you where you'll, you'll take a piece of news and you'll project it into the future and you will make assumptions of what may or may not happen and you'll insert it into your head as if it's going to happen.
3: Oh yeah. I awfulize all the time. Okay. I, I'm an expert awfulizer. I okay. will take any situation into its worst case scenario And just recently I've realized that I think I do that so that I can have played out every possibility so I'm ready. Okay. Anything can happen, and I will be... So this gets to my issue of control. So I guess this is the part of the show where we... Or we confess our sins.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Minus control. He is faithful and, just, of
0: your sins and you of all uh,
1: The weight has been lifted. <laughs> yes. Well, it's very, I don't know, so everybody out there knows because um, they've heard it enough. I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. And so that behavior often comes from dysfunction as children. You know, not, a, you know, take apart the people who think that way naturally. Number sixes, I think, on the ideogram or enneogram. Is that how you say it? But... When you've been, when things are not regular, when there's dysfunction in life, people tend to make sure that they're okay, you know, and and think about all the the end results so that you feel like you have a couple solutions. And I know that for most of my life, I lived that way, that as long as I could have a solution, I was going to be good.
0: Kim, are you a little bit of an awfulizer? I'm a little bit. Okay. Yeah.
1: And I, I would say I
4: have the need for control too, so... It's I interesting that as well.
0: And what about you, Rebecca?
4: Oh, you know
2: me, Bill. I know Don't you. play. <laughs> I'm
4: sorry.
2: It's I, like uh, he always asks you a question. A question. I have question. the answer to <laughs> Asked and answered, Your Honor. Um, I, you know what? This is something that uh, my husband and I have been haven't been married as long as some other folks in the room. So uh, this is something I wasn't aware would impact my marriage so much. And I think it's because my husband is a problem solver as well, so I don't know how many men out there would say, yes, that's me, but that's our situation. And I want to do exactly what you expressed, Angela. I want to be ready for any situation so I have plan B through Z if necessary because it goes back to this idea of being in control, being safe, that nothing's going to come up and take us by surprise and hurt us or knock us off our guard that, of course, does not work because I'm not the ruler of the universe, <laughs> although I know him. So I should be OK with that. But when I express my worries in conversation with my husband, then he might make a suggestion like, oh, well, you can just do this. And I think, uh, I, I don't know if I should do that. And I'm still in the in the muddle phase. I'm still talking it out. And he'll say, well, I don't know what else I can do. So I'm going to move on like from the subject because he's. He's issued a possible solution. If I'm not interested, then he has no more to give. So he's (laughs) done with the discussion and he just doesn't think about it anymore because he thinks about what he can do in in practical terms. But if I keep going over it in my head, that starts to bother him in in reference to our our, uh, male listeners text that he takes that on because I'm not happy and I'm not at peace. He thinks it's his job to fix that. And if I don't calm my worries and my concerns, then he's worried about the fact that I'm worried. What a <laughs> so cycle. it
3: becomes a problem.
2: <laughs> and I didn't realize that that dynamic is as strong as it can be
1: sometimes. Well, I don't think it's just um, husbands with wives. It's it's. You know, women can plug into that with more understanding by just how we feel about our kids. Mm -hmm. You know, like if they're up, you know, if somebody has looked sideways at them in fifth grade, then we're like, oh, "Oh, no, mama Mama bear bear comes out Mm -hmm. and we try to find solutions and we try to make it better for them. And, you know, I think that we can understand more of what the male might feel Mm -hmm. by how we feel for our kids. Yeah.
2: Well, and and to know that our own. Um, maybe our own personal struggles or our behavior, the choices that we're making with our attitudes uh, and how we speak over our lives—that those impact not just us as women, but everyone around us. They impact our families, our marriages, the people that we're working with. I don't know, just thoughts to ponder. Yeah.
0: So, ninety percent of the stuff we worry about will never happen. Mm-hmm. So we come to Christ and say, "You will never leave us or forsake us." You trust in the Lord with all your heart, never rely on what you think you know. And let's let's talk about the, the how we need to bring things to Him first. Because I need to, I need this lesson myself. I'm I'm an awfulizer. I, I hate that about myself. I really do.
1: Well, I think that's surrender. You know, like yeah. He's and that's a lesson He teaches me every single day. Um, especially if you are a person of gifting where you feel like you are capable. You know, And there's a lot of people who are built, both male and female, very capable mm-hmm. people. Um, most of us, I would think, that it's a surrender of, ooh, you only want me to take care of today. And when I surrender tomorrow to you, you're so- still sovereign in my life versus the I of I think I can do it or I have a plan. And so it keeps us in a position of need you know, um, with the Lord, but he's always is reminding me of that. You know, I'm 54 years old and each morning I'm like, okay, Lord, help me give everything to you today. And the Holy Spirit reminds me all day long that I prayed that prayer when I woke up, you know, because I wasn't (laughs) doing it.
3: (laughs) I thought about a lot of this around the idea of success. Like how do I measure success in anything? And what I've come to is, like real transformation happens with the holy spirit moving in the hearts and minds of people i can't do that that's the holy spirit's job that's god's job what i can do is obey what god is calling me to do and that's where the that's where the success lies but i have to remind myself of it all the time that Mm -hmm. there. to speak to your capability to the about the capabilities because i feel like i'm very capable and i could do all these things until he brings me to a point where then i can't and then that's that's bad and it, if you're
4: filled up with all these worries, then your mind is cluttered and potentially you're literally putting out noise by talking about it at, at, as nauseam. Right. And you're not going to hear that still small voice that says you should go talk to your neighbor because they're in crisis or whatever it is that they're asking you to do. Yeah, what which is yeah, the
3: point about t- making the time yes. to still yourself yeah. like Elijah in the cleft of the mountain that God wasn't in the big storm or the big right. wind. He came in the gentle breeze. And I think about that often, like, can I just be quiet long
0: enough? Okay, mm-hmm. I have a fine gentleman, uh, listener that needs your wisdom. You ready mm-hmm. for this? Sure. Here we go. I was wondering if the ladies could share some great date night ideas <laughs> on a very, very, very low budget.
1: Ooh, that was half Gary's in my life, for goodness <laughs> sakes. My favorite date, favorite, favorite date. This is
0: if. low, low, low budget.
1: Lolo, yeah, yeah. Well, it's low. Low, low. If you can walk and have tennis shoes, you're, you're good. Okay, <laughs> But um, walking around Lake Harriet, it's like the simplest, sweetest thing. And if you have kids...
0: And, we have listeners in Hartford right now. They're okay, going, okay. What is, she, la- what is she talking about?
1: <laughs> is that the Hartford right.
2: accent?
0: Right. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know.
1: <laughs> I, that was kind of like East Coast and Southern all combined I know, I didn't know what I was <laughs> <Yeah>. doing. <laughs> so if you're in the East Coast, a path, you know, a lake, something simple, a walk around your block holding hands... Time is is so beautiful and it's so precious. And when you've told each other that you're most important and it's worth even like sitting in the backyard. If you have kids that, you know, up in in their bedrooms going to sleep, holding hands, you know, with a beverage in your backyard can be a date with light a candle. I mean, it's togetherness more than what you're actually doing.
3: One of my favorite things that my husband did when we were dating is I grew up by a river. And so I love being on the river. And so for my birthday, he had a canoe, so no money mm-hmm. there. He packed a picnic, and we poured, We went into the Mississippi, and which is the big river that runs down the middle for everybody listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we went to an island and had a picnic, and it was great. So, like, yeah, for me, it's being outside. Mm-hmm. I would say being outside. You could go for a walk, have a picnic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, a man that prepares a meal for you.
0: Yeah, that's a yeah. cool deal. Yeah. I, I'm assuming, though, the, the listener is thinking that he has to initiate something. And doesn't have a lot of money to spend, so it sounds like if I said, you know, if he said, "Honey, let's go out in the backyard and sit," that may not feel like a date. Oh, so he got to set the heart. stage. A yeah, yeah. Right. a
1: woman's heart yeah. knows it's a date, though. Especially okay. a, little, a little post-it note, you know, someplace mm-hmm. in the house saying, "I'm looking forward to eight o'clock in the backyard." Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, there you go. A yeah. woman's heart knows when her man has carved out time for her, wants and to you be can wooed. She yeah. wants to be wooed, but wooed doesn't mean money. I don't. I don't know very mm-hmm. many women where wooed means money. And you can, you can frame it instead of just saying,
4: hey, let's go out, sit on the deck. You can say, <laughs> hey, <laughs> honey, tomorrow night I would like to have a special time with you, and I'm going to set up a little date outside, and, and I'd like to have a special evening. And, and then do what you can, if it's making a meal or bringing some candles, a right, blanket, if it's right. going to be cool. you gotta, you got a radio, and you can play some nice music or whatever it is.
0: Great idea. Also Groupon.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Group. Groupon, oh, a great
2: idea. <laughs> Sales on everything. Or you could borrow from a friend.
1: Find right. a friend mm-hmm. that has a canoe, for example. Totally free. Oh, split a pint of Haagen Dazs. That's three oh. bucks or four yeah.
0: fifty.
1: Little, one of those little baby ones. Split that with two
0: spoons.
3: Go to an art museum. Oh, yeah. free,
0: mm-hmm. ladies. Thanks. It's been You're fun. Welcome. Thank you. The amazing and beautiful queens of the round table. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining me today on the show. I always look forward to this time together. You know me. I can't wait to be with you, and I'm glad uh, we could do this again. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.